Welcome to the Blister Podcast, a program dedicated to interesting people, the great outdoors, and a bunch of other stuff we like. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, the founder of Blister, and you can check us out online at blisterreview.com. I'm also a guy who is a little bit under the weather and woke up this morning with no voice, so apologies for this raspy introduction. Today on the podcast, we are talking again with our very own Paul Forward, the doctor slash heli guide slash blister reviewer who we spoke with a couple of podcast episodes ago. This is shaped up to be a very good winter in the Chugach, so Paul has been getting a lot of time in on some fat skis, and I wanted to talk to him about some of them. He and I discussed the new DPS Lotus 124 Alchemist, the current Blizzard Spur, the new Head Core 117, the Solomon QST 118, the Liberty Schuster Pro, the Liberty Genome, and the Forefront Renegade. So, powder-loving gear nerds rejoice, we are going to be talking about two of our favorite things in the world, fat skis and deep snow. And just one announcement, we're excited to report that we're going to be heading back to Mount Bachelor the last week in April to get some prime spring skiing and reviewing done in Bend, Oregon. As tends to be the case in April, Mount Bachelor is in really good shape, and we're looking forward to skiing that mountain again, and you might want to make your way out there too. We'd love to make some turns with some of you, or at the very least, meet up at the end of the day for an Opry beer. Okay, time now to talk pow skis with Paul Forward. Paul, how are you? Hey, I'm good, Jonathan. How are you tonight? I'm doing well. Um, so, uh, this is nice. We're, we're talking again, uh, having... When did, we, when did we do our podcast? Was that like just a couple weeks ago? Yeah, it was like two and a half weeks ago. Two and a half weeks ago. This is nice. It's just a good chance to, to check in. So, um, if people listen to the last podcast uh, that you and I did together, they will know that you are uh, not only a doctor and not only a blister reviewer, but a heli guide for Chugach Powder Guides. And it sounds like you've been skiing a whole lot of powder this winter. Is that true? It is, yeah. We got pretty lucky here in the, this part of the, part of Alaska, and we we just kind of had a almost five week spell of of clear weather. We could fly every day, and with the exception of a few runs here and there, we were finding powder skiing pretty much every day for five weeks. And then when that ended, we started getting a ton of snow at Alaska, um, with the freeze line kind of rising just over the last 24 hours. But prior to that, it was a lot of really fun uh, inbounds powder skiing, also following almost five straight weeks of, uh, heli skiing. Wow. Okay. Well, let's just get to it. Um, the, the point here is to just kind of go over and get your thoughts on a number of, um, these fatter skis that you've been putting time on. And I wanted to get started with a ski that you've been, uh, you, you, I, you know, you wrote a flash review, I believe on the, on the site, Um, but the DPS Lotus 124 Alchemist. Um, So let's talk about that. Um, Just in case people aren't familiar, tell tell me a little bit about what is this Lotus 124? Um, Has it been around? What is it, um, you know, is it an all-new shape and stuff? Is it just a new construction? What is this thing? So the, um, so, you know, DPS has their different series of skis, and the Lotus series is their kind of, like, dedicated uh, big mountain slash powder skis. 
And previously that was uh, the Lotus 138, which I've skied a ton and have written about, and the Lotus 120, which I've also skied a ton in all those different iterations and uh, have really enjoyed. And uh, and then I think last year was the first year, maybe this was the first season with like the full release of the Lotus 124 shape, which uh, DPS sold this year in the Pure 3, which was until now their most recent um pre-preg carbon construction and they also sold it in a uh, foundation version which is kind of their new take on a more conventional kind of fiberglass with fiber with carbon fiber stringer construction and then uh this winter at the trade show type period of time dps introduced a new construction called the um, alchemist construction so the ones that i have are the 1718 alchemist construction um, but are available now, apparently, um, uh, on the DPS website. I was just looking at it yesterday. So they're, they're selling them now, but they're like next year's ski. Um, but so I'll, I'll talk more about the construction in a second. The, the shape itself, I initially wasn't that, honestly, that excited about them. It looked to me like they kind of tried to make their a powder ski based on, and they even said it in some of that, that marketing verbiage that it was, you know, taking some of the things they learned from the, Whaler 112, mm-hmm. which honestly was a ski that I never really got along with that well. I found that it was just too much tip taper, too much side cut, just kind of hooky and felt really short. And when I saw the initial pictures of the the Lotus 124, I was kind of like, oh, this is really kind of a watered down powder ski compared to DPS's kind of uncompromised powder ski heritage <laughs> in the yeah. 138 and the 120. Um, but uh, the the 191 centimeter version that I have actually is a little different shape than the uh, than at least the, any of the 185s of the pure threes that I've seen. And it sounds like they they kind of redesigned that 191, talking to the guys at DPS, to be a little bit of a of a ski in its own category. Yeah. Um, and so and that's the only one I have any experience with. Um, I've seen my share of other of the Pure 3 and Foundation 124s floating around. People bring them up here to go heli skiing. I've seen a few at the hangar. Um, and they definitely have a different shape um, mm-hmm. with, um, you know, different tip shape. And we'll have some pictures on the final review sh- kind of comparing. I took some photos of mine next to theirs. Yeah. Uh, but you can kind of see it on the DPS website, too. It's pretty accurate. Um, so that's the ski shape. It has some tip rockers, a little bit of tail rocker, and then, and then a bit of camber underfoot. Um, and then the... Um, and then it has that kind of spoon convex tip just at the very front, you know, like 10 or 15 centimeters of the ski. Um, and then the Alchemist construction, they don't, as far as I know, they haven't released a lot of information about what exactly is in the Alchemist construction. Mm-hmm. But their take, their their claim is that it's a carbon, a lightweight carbon ski that is more damp and less um for lack of a better word, like less pingy than the the stiff, really light carbon skis that DPS has made for a long time that you and I have both, I think, written about quite a bit yeah. about, about that particular aspect of the DPS skis, um, which, you know, works great in a Lotus 138 in POW, in, in deep powder, where that light, powerful ski is awesome, but is a, can be a bit of a liability, right, in the chop or the crud or inbounds yeah. conditions. And we found that consistently. Um, so the... Um, the 124 showed up here kind of like right at the start of this big high pressure. So I mounted them up right away and started heli skiing on them um, after just a couple days at the resort. And I was initially impressed at the resort that they, they were like the first DPS powder ski that I've like enjoyed skiing 
basically like four or five hours straight at Alyeska, where usually I would take up the Lotus 120s, Lotus 138s, ski them for a few runs and start to feel like, oh, okay, I'm really getting knocked around now. I'm going to go maybe either tolerate this for a while longer or maybe get some other skis for the afternoon. Yeah. Um, and I didn't feel that way with these at all. Like I had a couple of really fun days just smashing around the resort. And then we got the high pressure and I started taking them heli skiing. And I kept alternating other skis into the mix just out of curiosity. But, man, I kept coming back to those 124s. They're just a just a really intuitive, fun shape that kind of was just the right balance of weight and um, support. You know, they feel light, but they also, you know, in the crust in the backcountry or in some, you know, bumpy runouts through the through the chunder or jumping over Bergstrands or or skiing them fast at the resort, I would, they're not like a, a damp charging ski by any means, but they're pretty darn good, especially when you have them on edge, hmm. um, which I, pretty, I was surprised, honestly. Um, and, you know, they, I, I mounted them, and this is a whole other discussion that's in the, the, the review that I just wrote that should be published, uh, should be up on the site soon, yeah. a lot about the mounting point. But for now, let's suffice it to say that I mounted them pretty, just slightly forward, like half a centimeter forward of, boot center or a, a rec- I'm sorry, a recommended, um, the boot center mark that was on the ski. Yeah. And that was after talking to DPS who initially told me to go a couple centimeters forward and that just didn't look right to me. So I brought them back almost to the, to the line and I, I'm pretty happy with them there. I definitely wouldn't go any further forward. I would consider maybe going back, but I'd hate to lose how surfy and how drifty they, they still feel despite, you know, being like a pretty traditional shape with a pretty, you know, relatively flat tail. Yeah. So I, I'm pretty content with where they are. And, do you know? Uh, do you, do you know, know roughly ahead. roughly how far back are you? Did you did you? Do um, you I have it. It's funny. I have it written down on my computer, but I have a. I just ten minutes before you called me, the power went out in all of Kirkwood, <laughs> and I can't remember what the number was um, off the top of my head. Okay. I'm gonna but guess could, something in the like minus nine, <coughs> minus ten, minus eight, minus nine, minus ten from True Center. I think that's right, and I think it's in the I think it's in the flash review. It's okay. on the site. It's up right now, um, but I don't, I can't get on the internet. <laughs> okay. Maybe I can so, while we're talking. Um, um, so anyway, I, and I'll write. I wrote a lot about the mount point in the in the update in the full review. Um, so you know, we, people can go to, go check that out for sure. Um, okay. But um, but regardless, it's been a really fun ski, and I've been comparing it to a lot of other skis, including you know some skis that I've really loved in the past like the the blizzard spur yeah and uh boy i for just an all-around ski when i don't know what i'm going to encounter when i get in the helicopter i don't know if it's going to be super deep or if i'm going to go ski steep and technical stuff or if i'm going to you know spend more time on long you know big open faces or yeah that ski is it's a pretty easy choice to toss that in the quiver or in the basket when i'm, I'm heading out and know that i'll have something i'm confident on and I, and I haven't had a lot of skis like that, you know, over the years that I just felt like just that I clicked with so well and just always wanted to take with me. We're talking, sorry, we're talking about the the current spur, the sixteen seventeen spur. No, I'm talking about well, I'm. Or you, when you're I, back to talking those, about the alchemist. Yeah, all those p- positive glowing things I just said are about the alchemist. Okay. I, I think I, it's a ski that it feels compared to the spur, it's 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 lighter, it's quicker. It, it carves better uh, when, the, when the snow is firm. And uh, I would say, you know, as far as like float and powder and the ability to throw them sideways, uh, pretty similar. Um, the spur definitely like eats up 
uh, some kinds of like backcountry kind of crust and stuff a little bit better, yeah. maybe. But boy, I, I enjoy like on a um, I skied them back to back at Alaska on kind of like a, a you know Washington style kind of like hot pow day um, yeah. here a few days back, and I had more fun and skied faster on the 124 than I did in the spur. Yeah, wow. inbounds at, at Alaska. I, I felt like they just like could hold an edge better on them, honestly. Wow, it, that's funny. I because I, while you were talking, I pulled up your review, which I actually hadn't looked at till right now. Uh, and so what you have is a stated weight, or sorry, measured weight um, for this 191, <coughs> 191 DPS Lotus 124, um, basically 2150. Uh, two hundred yep. two thousand one hundred and fifty grams, and your your uh, <clears throat> your recommended mount point is looking at like you are at like s- roughly seven and a half minus seven and a half back from center. Um, so yep. it's funny though. While you were talking about that, I I actually thought you were talking about the sixteen seventeen spur, and I was like nodding my head vigorously because <laughs> I, that ski for me is just still like literally what you were saying about clicking into a ski, and I'm just like this feels so damn good and and feels like coming home. So that's pretty strong praise for this this Lotus one twenty four. Um, which I haven't been on, but um, man, you are making me want to ski this thing. It's a nice ski, and you know, it reminds me of a day, one of my last heli days last season. I took, I think I wrote about this. I I was fortunate enough to be able to take two pairs of skis that day, just the way the groups worked out, mm-hmm. uh, for, for kind of for the fun of it. And I threw in the basket the um, the spur, the sixteen seventeen spur, and the um, and that Solomon QST one eighteen that showed up late last year yeah. here in Alaska. And I skied um, part of the morning on the QST, and then I started getting into a little bit more, like, oh, crust and stuff, and I was feeling more confident. Uh, I kind of wanted to try the spur out. And I had never appreciated the spur to be to feel kind of heavy or cumbersome. I'd always felt like, oh, this is a really easy to ski ski. You know, it's, yeah. like, intuitive and, and fun. And when I skied the 118 and I skied the spur back to back, I was like, wow, this thing is, like, sluggish and a little bit heavy and kind of... Huh. You know, it doesn't, there's not a lot of rebound out of it. You know, you can't, it doesn't, so it wasn't very playful. And I feel like that, um, that 124 kind of strikes a nice balance of that. Like it feels, it's easy to swing around. It's, it kind of feels a little bit quick and poppy. You know, it's got a more forward mount position, which DPS advertises there. Like this is our powder ski with a more forward mount position. Yep. And, uh, and it's true. And it, and it does feel like, you know, if you if you want to if you're in a tight shoot and you need to whip out a couple quick turns, it, it's definitely like less effort and more intuitive on that uh, to me on that Lotus 124 than the Spur is. Wow. Well, I'm okay. Well, now I've got to ski this thing because I'm I'm literally kind <laughs> of getting mad at you for talking ill of the Spur. Um, <laughs> I, I've I've. Yeah, I haven't said this out loud uh, before or on the site or anything, but like I like that spur so much, and and I was skiing it in Taos uh, when we were a being it with the Rosignol Super Seven RD, which is right. which is another ski I actually really like. But uh, yep. that spur is just I was just kind of fell in love all over again, and was like, well, man, they're changing the spur up. Maybe maybe I could get them to do a. Uh, 
a blister version of the spur and uh, <laughs> keep, keep, keep the old one around. Uh, but man, um, it sounds like uh, it sounds like I need to ski this Lotus One Twenty Four. Yeah, I mean they're, they're, it's different, right? I mean maybe my you know maybe my uses for it are, are different. You know, I, I in, in that steep kind of technical powdery terrain where I'm not really sure I'm going to hit. Yeah. Having like a little bit lighter, looser ski, heli skiing is nice. And um, that spur, I mean, base is flat, going straight. The spurs, I mean, I'm sure the spur crushes through snow better than that um, than that 124. Mm-hmm. But man, that I, I reread. I actually reread your spur review recently. Huh. Um, and again, I liked your comment that the spur is a really good ski that happens to be a powder ski. Yep. And uh, and you know that that resonates with me. I think that's true. But um, there are some things that that 124 does that that I like better, and it, what sure is a lot more fun on the groomers. Not that anybody cares how a 120 millimeter ski is on groomers, but that 124 is pretty fun on groomers. <laughs> Interesting. Well, cool. That's that's really cool. Um, yeah, I'm actually uh, I I'm actually going to be in in Salt Lake next week, so maybe I'm going to have to stop by DPS and and tell him I'm stealing a pair of 191s or something. You should. You know yeah. what? You want, you want to know what's not cool about the 191? What? Lotus 124 spoon? The spoon part. <laughs> why? why? Say, all right, say more. I don't like it. It, um, it only happens to me like once in a while, like not even every day. But on, uh, you know, whether it's like a weird icy traverse getting off like at the ski hill or I'm like, moving around on a ridge that's like kind of windswept. I need to like, you know, move through some rocks every once in a while that what, you know, the tip of the ski will engage in something or, or, or should engage in something like any other ski, you would get a little bit of edge grip and that spoon tip just kind of deflects and slides away. And it's, huh. I've had it happen, you know, half dozen times, but it's familiar to me because it's like a micro version of what the spoons do all the time. Anytime they hit anything that's not fresh powder. Interesting. And, and the you know on the 138 spoon I didn't notice it as much, um, but I think that's because that it's even less likely that that part of the ski on the 138 is going to engage because it's kind of skinny and out toward the you know far away from the, most of the edge contact on firm snow. But on that 124, it's it's not that hard to have that part of the ski interface with like with the snow you're skiing on, and I, I kind of think that that ski would not lose any of its fun powder characteristics or maybe like a tiny fraction of it. Um, if they got rid of that little spoon part. Um, but I think it would for just, you know, like, again, it's like not even every day, like a full day of skiing. A lot of days I don't even think about it, but every once in a while I'm like, darn that tip scraped off that thing again. And it does this little unnerving thing where it skitters away and I lose the edge. I lose my edge. And it annoys me. <laughs> well, and it sounds like, especially, I, I mean, I'm thinking about um, maybe in some steeper terrain where you are going to make a turn on a wind scoured, you know, a, a, a wind scoured spat, <coughs> excuse me, wind scoured patch or, or wind scoured mogul or something. You might, that's where it sounds like that would um, uh, maybe not be so hot. Yep. Uh-huh. Yeah. Especially like, like I could totally see it. Like if you were skiing through some, some firm moguls, um, which, you know, people, you have to sometimes it's curious. Yeah. Um, and I think otherwise that 124 is a fine, you know, inbounds yep. pow ski, 
But yeah, I could totally see that in like the in the icy bumps. That ski just kind of getting knocked around more than it should, and not tracking as well. And you know, I'm sure that those they they think a lot about powder skis DPS. I'm sure that they've put some thought into why they did that. But man, I well, it I'd sounds be like super curious if it affects the powder performance at all. Yeah, and it, I mean, it sounds like to me the kind of compliment you're paying here is maybe DPS was like, man, this is 124 underfoot. This is a fat ski. So we really are positioning this as a a ski for untracked POW. And what you're saying is you've actually found it to be versatile enough to handle a broad range of conditions than that. Yeah, but that's what, if you read, you know, DPS's um, kind of ad copy on it, that's what they're saying. They're like, this is a ski that's more, this is our, they're basically saying this is our versatile okay. powder ski. They say that this is a ski that um, still is versatile and fun when you can feel the bottom, but okay. but doesn't sacrifice its, like, planing um, surfing performance. Okay. And I think that's generally pretty accurate, but I'm not, I'm just not sold on the spoon tip. So, we'll see. Hmm. But you have you have gotten along with the spoon tip on like the Lotus One Thirty Eight, and the spoon yeah. itself. Oh, the, on the spoon itself, it's terrifying to hit anything hard. You know, <laughs> well, it's okay. like it's, it's not it's, merely the tip. Yeah, I mean, it's like all the way back, almost to your, you know, it's back to like a foot in front of your boot. Yeah, but yeah. um, but no, on the One Thirty Eight, I haven't so much. But again, that. The 138, you know, the, the fattest part of the ski basically is under your boot, and then it tapers toward the tips and tails, kind of in a spatula-type shape. Yeah. And when you're when you're on edge on firm snow, the effective edge that you have is basically, you know, that, like, oh, maybe 100 centimeters, like, um, around your boot. And so it would be pretty unusual circumstances where you'd actually be, like, you know, really interfacing the snow with that skinny spoon tip in the front uh, in hard snow. Whereas with the 124, you're pretty close to where the side cut ends, and it, you know it's much more likely that you're going to engage that part of the ski when you're like, like you said, going through some moguls or an icy traverse or something. Okay. Okay. Um, we should move on. Um, qu- quickly, a, a ski that I've just been spending time on, uh, which I'm supposed to have already sent to you. Uh, um, is the <laughs> is the head core 117 and um, I don't know if you read my review of that uh, that I of course that I, I did okay um, <laughs> my, my dilemma here is that I'm supposed to go to Silverton soon and I, I'm like man th- there's there's three skis that I'm I'm debating uh, taking with me to Silverton and but I'm just like, this Core 117 would sort of be a perfect... I mean, you could get the same kind of testing done if I just sent it to you. But I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of selfishly thinking, like, uh, maybe after Silverton. So, that anyway, uh, you're going to get it. Uh, <clears throat> you're going to get it right before I leave or right after I leave. I, we're we're going to see. But, All right. um, but I'm very curious to see what you think of that ski. Um, yeah. My hunch is it's, it's not going it's not a super surfy ski you know um so in that sense i think some of the stuff that you're skiing on a regular basis um i don't know that you're going to rave about that element of it but i am curious to have to put it into the mix with all this other stuff you're skiing um 
and and mostly, I mean, and, and as I wrote, like it's a pretty stiff ski, and um, I'm just curious to kind of get your take about like what you think about opening that ski up on big faces, you know? Um, yeah. If it's a particularly stable ride, or if you're like, well, on big faces, I still like a, a driftier ski, um, but but that's a ski that um, I think it's a good one. And um, I had more fun on it than I was anticipating. And I just put up my Core 105 review today. And um, that's a good ski too. But there's some things about the shape of the Core 117 that, that I just kind of click with. Um, so anyway, going to be, uh, yeah. yeah. If, if, I, if I'm not selfish, I will get that ski sent to you sooner than well, later and let you start weighing in. Well, well, you know, while, while we're on that topic, the other interesting thing that has to be said in a conversation about powder skis right now is that the powder skis that most companies are making now, their fattest skis are in that, like, 115 to 118 range. Yep, true. And, you know, we were just talking about a 124-foot ski and a one and the, the Spurs, I believe, 125-foot. Yep. And, ta- and I've been skiing on, you know, 138s and the vocal threes, which are 136 foot. And there's a bunch of, you know, moment commies hanging around at the hangar. And, uh, and, you know, we used to love the rocker two 122, which is kind of the QST 118 now. Yep. And, um, you know, I've actually been talking to a lot of my fellow guides about this as we're, you know, kind of going forward in the ski world. And, uh, it's, it's getting a lot harder to find those, you know, 120 to 130 class skis. And it begs the question, like, is that, is that just because those skis don't really, they don't need skis that fat anymore? That the companies yeah. have done a good enough job refining, um, refining a more versatile waist width to still be able to do great in powder. Because I mean, if a good skier is going to have a, a blast on a 118 or 115 underfoot ski on a powder day, like, just yep. no way you're not going to have a ton of fun. Yep. Um, interestingly, where I, as a ski guide, especially where um, I'm sometimes taking people who don't ski powder very much uh, out on, like, you know, deep powder conditions in the big mountains, um, boy, there's a big difference between putting those people on a 11500-foot ski and a 130-foot ski Hmm. in their enjoyment of the day. I mean, it's it's not subtle. (laughs) I've seen it over and over again. You know, we have, um, in our demo fleet, we've got vocal confessions, vocal twos, and vocal threes. Yep. And, um, I, boy, it, it feels like once a week, somebody starts on either their own skis, which are like, you know, 110 or 115 or starts on the confession or the vocal two and the vocal two is still, I believe like 122 underfoot and it's struggling. And we put them on that like 186 vocal three or what used to have been the, the rocker two 122, which, you know, is a really floaty ski for its width. And uh, suddenly they're, you know, the next day they, they, they look a lot better. They're having more fun. They're getting less tired. And so, you know, granted, the, the ski industry, you know, shouldn't make products specifically for heli skiing. But um, it's interesting to me that, you know, it seems to me the more advanced skiers, like a really good skiers can come out on their, you know, 108 underfoot ski and have a blast heli skiing. Like they'll have a super good day. Like a, an expert skier is still going to have a super good time. Um, but as people are a little less experienced or they get less ski days in every year or their fitness isn't as good or their skiing skills just aren't as good, those bigger skis tend to make more and more of a difference. And, uh, so I find it fascinating that, um, the, the transition in the industry of powder skis, 
toward the like, you know, one fifteen class key. Yeah, that is interesting. Um, I guess worth noting that another ski that I am sending your way uh, is the Liberty Genome. (laughs) (laughs) This thing is unbelievable. Uh, I don't even remember off the top of my head, but I think it's 143 underfoot with like a one. I think it's one. Yeah, it it might even be. It might even be wider than that. It's like it got a 171 shovel. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. I don't know what to make of that. I don't know what I'm going to do with those things, but I'll give them a go. <laughs> well, yeah, that's your job. And, I, I mean, it is just amazing. We, maybe next week we'll get our, you know, kind of first look of that <laughs> posted. But the thing is just, it's just like looking at a, at a pillar. <laughs> it's like two pillars. Uh yeah, 170 in the tip, 141 underfoot, 157 tail. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, um, big, big ski coming your way. So there's another one uh, for you. So, but, yeah, the genome, I mean, I think that was definitely kind of a cult ski for a while, and Liberty pulled it out of their um, lineup and uh, is reintroducing it for next year. So, um, yeah, fat ski lovers, um, one company at least is, uh, is bucking the trend of maxing out at, you know, 115 or 118, uh, in the width category. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, we'll see how that goes. So let's, um, I did want to ask you a bit more about this Solomon QST 118. Um, your, your review is up on that thing. I had, uh, Actually, my first days on that ski were like exactly a year ago when I skied it at Silverton. Um, And it has been interesting to me just that, you know, Solomon, a lot of Solomon athletes um, are on this ski. And I I mean, I think like Bobby Brown has been on that ski tricking the crap out of it, you know, off of backcountry booters. Cody Townsend is skiing big lines on that thing. Um, you know, uh, and I'm just curious, you know, as you've spent more time, I, I really thought this was a pretty powder specific ski in my, in my limited time on it. And I'm curious, given that you have more time on it now and, and have had it in a broader range of conditions, if you have been increasingly impressed with its versatility or if you're still like, man, this is a, you know, let's keep this kind of in the dedicated good snow, deep snow, uh, category or spectrum. Yeah, I would. Um, so the first thing I would say is the classic caveat to anything pro athletes do is that those guys would be doing it on lots of different skis. And I don't think that, I mean, I agree that there's a you have spectrum of what people are doing on it at that level. But I think they'd be doing it on, you know, the Rocker 2 or the QST or whatever other ski that Solomon gave them, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to be fair. Um, But to answer your question about my experience on it, um, I have skied that ski throughout this winter uh, in two ways. Like, initially, the first part of the winter, I had touring bindings on it. I put some G3 ions on it, and I skied it um, with a variety of boots, you know, both the, um, like, kind of heavier kind of double duty boots like the zero G and the mountain lab, but I've also skied it with the TLT seven and the, um, the S lab, the XL from Solomon and the TLT six. Um, so with the lighter boots too. 
which usually I can get away with skiing on, you know, in good snow on those skis. And as a touring ski, I was kind of lukewarm on it. It didn't have the, the support and predictability, especially when, when things got a little bit weird snow wise that like that, um, that BMT 122 does. And the fact that it's a little bit surfier and drifts a little bit better than the BMT to me didn't make up for how much just like less confidence inspiring it felt when I was, um, you know, I hit some weird stuff, but it is a, a ridiculously fun ski in the powder. I mean, it's really surfy and it really makes, you know, makes you feel like you can do a lot of stuff in the powder. Like you can kind of break free of the fall line and, and play around with it. Um, as a resort ski with back with the uh, marker gestures on them, I, um, boy, I've mostly had those out in, again, that kind of like, since the freezing line went up a little bit and we've had more of that kind of like heavy maritime kind of conditions. Yeah. And in that stuff, I definitely don't ski as fast on those skis. Like they get knocked around quite a bit. And that, that really abrupt tail rocker is, um, is kind of interesting. You know, it, it makes the ski feel super loose, right? You can break that thing free without, you know, just a moment, just a, the thought of it and you can break that free ski, free, uh, ski free and skid or drift or whatever you want to call it, depending on the snow. Um, but when you start getting knocked around and bucked around, you, you feel a little like that, that rocking chair kind of teeter tottery thing. Yeah. Um, what's interesting about that ski is it, um, if there's, if there are any whitewater kayakers left in the world, they'll know what I'm talking about. When I say this, um, we always talk about in whitewater kayaks, like primary stability and secondary stability, like primary stability is like, you sit in the boat and you feel like you're going to tip over easily or not. Yeah. And secondary stability is like you put the boat way on edge, and once the boat's way leaned over, does it support you or does it just tip you over and you have to roll? And um, to me, I kept thinking about it when I was skiing that ski. It has, like, not that good primary stability. Like, you feel like you're going to just fall over backwards in that thing all the time or fall over forwards. But once you get back on those tails, like if you're straight lining down through a, you know, bumped-up terrain at the resort and you just want to go really fast – those tails, once you're on them, even though you feel like, whoa, I'm on the tails, they're supportive. They're there. They're like, it's like a strong tail. Like I can totally see how a guy could like pin it out of like a big Alaskan face on those things because it's not like um, some other skis that have the heavy rocker tails that also are pretty soft in the tail that, um, and have like a big twin in the back. Um, Like even that Schuster Pro um, that I've been skiing at Liberty, that ski has like a more normal camera in the tail, but you, especially with my guide pack on, like I can definitely, like if I, like I, I wrote it in my review of that ski that'll come out sometime soon. Like I over or misjudged an air and kind of took it deeper than I thought, kind of landed back on my tails and almost lost it on those skis in kind of a bad spot. And, um, because that tail is that twin tip tail, you know, it's a little bit, a little spongy back there. And that Solomon QST tails surprisingly supportive once you're back there, but you're like, you're you're on the tail <laughs> yep, yep. when you're there, um, so it's an interesting ski. Um, and then on like w- if you're trying to lay it over and like arc it through the crud or the chop, it um, boy you know it's not, maybe not fair to compare it to a ski like the that that DPS 124 that I've been kind of raving about, or even like the Spur or something like that. You know, they're different categories of skis in a lot of ways. But uh, boy, that uh, that QST gets bucked off off the edge like yeah. pretty easily compared to those skis like you, you get you get bounced off your out of your car pretty quick okay. those other skis are a bit more tenacious and um, even even like that schuster car is much better holds an edge much 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 like dramatically better than the qst 
Okay. Hmm. One last ski I want to ask you about is, I know you just started putting some time on the Forefront Renegade. Um, and you're, you're skiing the 196 Renegade? That's right. The, yeah, the, the newer version of the one like the, the 1617 version of the 196 Renegade. That's right. And, and, I mean, and I'm, go ahead. I was just going to say, I mean, 196, that obviously is a, that number might sound real big to uh, some people. Um, does this thing ski like a really big, long ski? Or given the rocker profile of this thing, is it a, you know, is it a, you know, should, should, should someone not immediately tune out just because they're hearing 196 and they're thinking, no way in the world am I ever skiing a ski that long? Man, the very first run. So my, my first run ever on those things was like yesterday morning, a powder day at Alyeska. And uh, I uh, met up with some friends who, who, who ski, ski fast and uh, and got off the chairlift and was like, okay, we're going to go fast. It's going to be powder day. And I remember like as soon as I made my first turn, I was like, oh, my goodness, I'm so glad I got the 196. And when I got down to the chairlift, I was looking down and I was like, I can't believe these skis are 196 because they – really don't feel that long they feel they feel way shorter than that mm-hmm. and 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 they are that long i mean they're, it's not like it's not like the old k2s where the 189 was like 195 or something yeah like they're they actually are like 190 they're pretty darn close to 196 i think um but they they ski they're, they're they ski quick and short they, they don't ski long okay um and how wide is the renegade underfoot uh they are Again, I have my notes on the computer, but I think they're 122. That's what I was going to say. Um, and I'm curious in, about that ski because I'm still, um, like the last tour I went on a couple days ago, um, I'm still touring quite a bit on the 184-centimeter Forefront Raven. Um, right. And, I, and that's a ski that we originally got on, I think, down in New Zealand this last fall. Um, mm-hmm. And the Raven is uh, 102 or 104 underfoot, um, something yep. like that. And I, you spent a little bit of time on the Raven. Um, I mean, does the Renegade just kind of feel like, yep, it's a Raven, uh, just a wider Raven? Um, or th- any thoughts about that in terms of strong similarities or obvious differences? Well, it's interesting you put it that way because the obviously the Renegade, long, in, as far as from forefront, long predated the Raven, right? Like when they did the Renegade, it was like their first ski That's where they right, did yeah. that kind of like Reflectech shape, and yeah. the, it was their you know first ski of that generation. Then the Hoji, and then more recently the Raven um, came into the line. Um, so you know the other way to look at it is the Raven a smaller Hoji, uh, or sorry, a smaller Renegade, and I think my. You know, again, I skied the 184 Raven, and now I'm skiing the 196 Renegade. Um, and it was, you know, last summer and obviously totally different snow conditions that I was skiing in the Raven. But I think a, there are similarities. The the one that's most notable in, in that Hoji Raven Renegade lineup is that uh, regardless of how much edge angle you have on those skis, there's never like a hinge point you know, like a lot of skis that we've been on, this like kind of generation of skis with a heavy tip taper and then like, a, you know, and a well-defined side cut, you know, that's 
the, the middle part of the ski. Yeah. You can feel when you're like, when you let the ski kind of skid across on like a bumpy groomer, you can feel like those contact points, the tip and tail kind of grab and coke a little bit when you're not in a carve. I don't really ever notice that on any of those skis, right? The Hoji, the Raven, the Renegade, like they're like, wherever much edge angle you have, like the skis is slippery, you know, it like slides, you don't, it doesn't grab. Yeah. Um, but um, my recollection of the Raven was is it did you know you could I feel like you could carve a pretty clean turn on that ski like like you know like you and I talked about it, it took some speed yeah um, the the Raven or I'm sorry the Renegade will carve but it it like you gotta really commit to the edge on that thing and like yeah. really really lay it over like it's there's nothing subtle about carving that ski like you have to if you really want to like dig in and generate some energy that you got to really push pretty hard and yep. you know it's almost like a little bit like almost old school like you really want to push on that downhill ski a lot more than the uphill ski to like really get that edge to engage and it's um it's compared to a lot of other skis i've been on lately it's a little more prone to getting uh uh knocked off its edge knocked out of the carve hmm. and you know it's a little it's, it's light and it's you know it's a big big fat ski on, you know, crud is always going to do that to some extent, but I definitely noticed that. Okay. It's funny. Like I sometimes forget, but I, I skied the very first generation of the, of the renegade. Um, and I mean, that was back in, I think like 2010, um, 2010, 2011 winter. And, um, yeah, it was it was kind of an interesting. I, I, Garrett Altman um, also also skied that same ski, and we both felt like it was kind of game on, game off. Like like it it was cool at speed, and and but man, if you hit came into variable or wind scoured stuff, that thing got scary fast. And um, I'm just kind of curious, uh, you know, what seven winters later. And as they've refined that ski and kind of worked with it, how, how, you know, what that thing has evolved into. So, um, well, I, mean, I don't, I mean, I don't think it's changed that much, Jonathan. I, I, my friend has a pair of the like old, like more, more closer to the original one, the, you know, like the white room skis or whatever, yeah. you know, with the, uh, the bamboo or wooden sidewalls yeah. and the, the shape and rocker profile is, it's not exact. The shape, it looks pretty much the same. The rocker profile I haven't had a real good chance to just put them up side by side. I think they've tweaked it a little bit, but not significantly. But I think it's more or less the same ski with a, a little bit of an updated construction. Okay. Well, it's just interesting to me, again, because I've spent a lot more time, uh, you know, in like on this Raven. Um, and that Raven, I just find like super predictable always. Like there is not, I mean, I was skiing the Raven on like refrozen crud with that Solomon, um, S S lab Xalp boot. Um, and the ski's fine. Like, you know, you're not, you're not raging, but, uh, the ski's totally fine and predictable. And so that is not exactly how I remember that initial first iteration of the Renegade, um, you know, like extreme predictability was not the quality I would have talked about. Yeah. Well, stay tuned. I'll, um, you know, I, I think if I, if we get out tomorrow, looking at the weather right now, we probably won't, but I'm going to 
throw that ski in the basket for, for a lot of heli skiing this week, um, unless it just freaks me out for some reason. Yeah. And so stay tuned. I'll, I'll probably get a pretty good feel for how that ski does in its intended environment here real soon. Um, well, cool, man. Good to talk and um, fun to go over a number of these bigger skis you've been um, a being and, and getting out a bunch on. Um, and so I'm just trying to think. So this DPS Lotus 124 review, we might be able to post that Sunday. Um, and then what do you already know what the next thing coming down the pike probably is going to be from you? Uh, yeah, well, I've got that um, vocal confession update review, which will follow shortly after the DPS 124. And then we also have that Liberty Schuster Pro 192, which is um, which is also on the editing table at oh, the cool. moment. Cool. Well, very good, man. Um, well, let's uh, let's sign off and leave it at that. And uh, is the power back in your house yet? No, there's no power. <laughs> So are my you car just, alarm was going off. There's total chaos in my neighborhood in Girdwood right now, it seems. Are you, are you just sitting in the dark, like Heart of Darkness style? Well, so, yes, I'm sitting in the dark. No, it is not like a Joseph Conrad novel. Okay, okay. Are you sitting there like Indian <laughs> style with a headlamp on? Uh, headlamp on, not Indian style. <laughs> nice. Uh, um... Well, cool. soon to go to bed because I got to go to a, a rainy guide meeting in like not that many hours and talk about if we're going to be able to go heli skiing tomorrow. Okay. All right, man. Well, you go to bed. Um, good to talk about this stuff, and uh, we'll be talking to you real soon. All right, buddy. Take care, Jonathan. All right. Great talking to you. You too. Bye bye. Right. Bye. That's it for this edition of the Blister Podcast. Many thanks to Paul Forward for the conversation and to our strikingly handsome audio engineer, Justin Bob, who. I haven't hung out with in so long, I'm beginning to forget exactly how strikingly handsome he really is. Come on, J-Bob. Till next time, head over to blisterreview.com to see what we're up to there. Leave us some feedback on iTunes if you like what you're hearing, and we will talk to you next time.